Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by a special co-host today, Katie Snevice. Hello, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. Good. You just went up. Your voice just went up like three, three octaves, I think. But yes, yes. So, um, so your name, we won't ask people to spell it because it has a whole cluster of consonants. They're a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but um, Katie from Another Mother Runner might be familiar to people either who have been to one of our retreats or also if they closely follow the Another Mother Runner site because um, about two years ago, you authored a short series we called running after breast cancer. So, which brings us to the topic of our show today, which is running either with, during breast cancer treatment or coming back to running after breast cancer. So you were the logical host for this show. So thank you for joining. I've only waited three years to be on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> good, good, good. But before we before we get all to that stuff, we really need to talk about the important matter at hand, which is that you saw the Jonas Brothers in concert last night with what six moms and and other little girls, including your your oldest daughter. So there were nine nine year old girls. Oh my gosh! Nine moms and then two dads. Um, oh, so good, it good. was it was really cute. We. You know, we were all talking about the first concert that we saw, and mine was New Kids on the Block when I think I was in seventh grade, um, the original boy band. And so it was only fitting that Ella, my oldest, one of her first concerts was the, you know, Jonas Brothers. Uh And it was, it was so much fun. You don't realize how many songs you know until you go to their concert. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, it was great. We got home at 1145 though. Wow. Yes, they didn't get on until 9.30, played until 11. And of course, Sucker, which is, you know, one of their most famous songs right now was the very last song. Uh-huh. So we had to stay. Oh, of course you did. Um, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah we weren't going to leave early. But it was it was so much fun. It was great. <laughs> Alex is really enjoying this story, too. What did you just say? It's a, I just said that song is a banger. That song's a banger. The Sucker song. <laughs> I mean... The moms may have been dancing more than the kids at that point. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who was the warm-up act? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that. So the first was Jordan McGraw, who we didn't realize was Dr. Phil's son. Oh. Did you know that? I did. I don't. I don't know who that artist is. I know who well, Doctor Phil is. I don't know who Jordan yes. McGraw is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. As as you probably shouldn't, because he's probably twenty two or twenty three years old. <laughs> and then the next woman, you, I'm gonna butcher her name, but it's Bibi um, Rexa. Don't make fun of me for mispronouncing that. But do you know who I'm talking about? I do know. She that. was amazing. Ooh. She was amazing. I. That is not how you pronounce her name, everyone, but look her up. I'm adding some of her songs to my playlist. I mean, she was incredible. She's a great performer. Apparently, she's a really good songwriter too um and she she was awesome she brought people up on stage they dance with her she just seems like she has a lot of like you know she's very positive the songs were you know uh, probably not super appropriate for nine-year-old girls but i think that they were too busy eating you know popcorn that they didn't really notice but uh (laughs) but she was really good the songs were awesome so it was a really really fun concert Uh yeah uh oh my goodness all right well (laughs) That sounds like a ton of fun, and I admire you for for going to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, so all right. Well, let's travel back in time because you, my goodness, when we hired you, I so vividly remember that phone call, and you were just weeks away from your from the opera you had for your mastectomy. Is that right? right. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I feel so fortunate because I was introduced to you guys by Coach MK and, you know, she, you called me or Dimity called me and was like, we really need some help with marketing. Um, would you be interested? And I'm like, yes, but I've got a few things going on right now. I just <laughs> finished chemo. Um, you know, I'm completely bald and I have my double mastectomy and restruction in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I met her for coffee a couple of days later. I'd never met her before yeah. and, you know, just looked like a hot mess. Um, but you guys were gracious and you hired me despite, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I've told you this enough, but you both really saved me during oh. that time because it gave me something else to think about. Oh, right. I, I wasn't so focused on what I was going through. I was just so excited to be a part of AMR that um, it really helped me, I think, to heal faster mm. and be inspired by all these other women. Um, so it's, it was, it was a blessing. It really was. It was kind of one of the most magical things that happened to me during my treatment was, was meeting you guys. Aww. So I appreciate it. You took me in Aww. looking the way that oh, I did. Oh, Katie, Katie, <laughs> Katie. I mean, I, we had you start and can you start oh, today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, yes, I think I have about 15 doctor's appointments tomorrow and the next day, but yes, I yes. can start. So it was fun. I, I'm always one to jump with both feet in so it, it yes, worked out well yes. and then so that was in november and then in january early january you came out here so that we could go to a trade show together and yes oh my gosh so snow? much snow oh my gosh and then and it was phoebe's birthday my oldest daughter's birthday so you went out to yes. dinner with us and then then i was looking at pictures to try to find some pictures and and it's like oh my gosh we have a whole family picture that's taken from a distance not a selfie because you were there to take the picture um, and, uh, and i and she was so gracious about it she's like who is this woman why is she at my birthday dinner i don't understand they were all oh but so she's still so crazy about you whenever you call if phoebe's in the car she always goes katie snap ice katie snap ice <laughs> I think you say it best oh. out of anyone I know. I mean, including my mother, including, you know, some of Dan's relatives who've had the name their whole life. Uh, you, you do. Thank you very much. I can say that it's, it the right it's way. can you spell it for us so they'll understand why you're impressed? Yes, it's S-Z-N-E-W-A-J-S. Yes. You know, just add that additional J in there. Right. For no, it is. It so. is. It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> so... So yes, yeah, so and we went to, and you know, uh, you definitely rocked the bald head and you, um, we went to a trade show together that way. We went on a sales calls in Cincinnati that way. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Do you remember when, um, you know, I, I wasn't working full at the time. I mean, I wasn't working full time. I was just kind of starting my own little marketing business. And so you know, I, I went to go get a wig and it just felt so mm -hmm. unlike me that, um, and, and my husband, Dan really encouraged me. He's like, Aww. you look beautiful without hair, just, just rock it. And so I did. And it was really easy. I mean, showering <laughs> took, you know, two seconds. I think he was excited about all the shampoo we, um, money we saved on shampoo because I had so much <laughs> hair ahead of time before that. But, um, anyways, when I, when we went on our sales meeting, we were meeting at P&G, which is, you know, one of the most yes. iconic companies yes. in America. And I had my little beanie on and you're like, I think you just go in bald. And that was a moment I'll never forget because it kind of reminded me that, you know, you, it, the confidence comes from within. It really isn't what you look at in the mirror. And it was just one of those million lessons that you learn during a 
you know, during the journey, like people will stare at you and that's fine, but you know that, you know, hopefully God willing that you'll come out okay on the other end. And, Mm -hmm. and I did. And so it's, it was just, it was kind of empowering to just walk around without any Mm -hmm. fear. I mean, I'm so Mm -hmm. glad I have it back, but it was just one of those things like, yep, I'm going through Mm -hmm. something, but I'm doing my best and I'm going to be strong Mm -hmm. and brave for my little girls and, and everything's going to hopefully be okay. That's awesome. So you need to um, talk to us about your running because you really have become a runner since your cancer treatment, right? You know, I, um, I've always been an athlete, like, but you know, I, I always hated running. I was, I played basketball, tennis and soccer. And so we had to run, but I despised every minute of it. And so after I graduated from college, when I was living in Chicago, I ran on the treadmill and I ran outside, but not seriously. And then you know, we lived in New York for a little bit. I had three babies in three years, so I really wasn't doing a ton besides, you know, whenever I could squeeze it in. And when we moved to Denver in 2013 was really when I started running consistently. Um, I've always worked out, but it wasn't running. And so I ran yeah. here. I mean, it's just so beautiful to run in Denver. There's so many places to run and the weather's amazing. Um, so I ran a bunch of 10Ks, but it, it was really after breast cancer that, you know, I was like, I'm going to run a half marathon. I've never done it before. I've 10K is the longest race distance that I've ever run. And, you know, it was really like the inspiration of the community that kind of gave me the confidence and the guts to do it. And so I ran my first half a -hmm. year after I finished chemo. So in October, 2017. Um, And after I, I remember after Mm -hmm. the Spokane retreat, I think I just finished, sorry, Mm -hmm. after the Cape Cod retreat last year, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a nor'easter and I ran and it was amazing. And Dimity was like, so do you, would you ever want to do a full? And I was like, no, I do not want to do a full. I'm going to stick with halves. This is my distance. Lo and behold, behold, I um, am running my first marathon next week. So Oh my gosh, you and your husband are running Chicago. That is so exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. We are, we are, you know, Chicago means a lot to us. We've always said if we were going to run a marathon, it would be that one. Cause that's where we met. That's where we got married. That's where we both, you know, kind of started our careers after school. And, um, yeah, we, we signed up, we kind of put our name in the lottery at the beginning of the year and we both got accepted and we've been training all summer and he's, you know, I admire him cause he, I have more flexibility during the day to, to run and he gets up and he runs every morning and he does his long runs on the weekends and oh, he's got a buddy that, that he's going to run it with. Um, oh, mm-hmm. we start in the same corral, but you know, I'm, uh-huh. I think they're going to leave me pretty quickly. Um, but it's, I'm, ex- it'll be fun. You know, I think uh-huh. I'm definitely nervous. Um, oh, I've never really uh-huh. been nervous like this for a race before, but then again, I've never run a marathon, but I think you just, you know, I've never run 26 miles. I ran 20 and it was good. I think I talked to you right afterwards. It was a good run. Um, I've done a couple of them, but you know, you just, you're like, how in the world am I really going to run those additional six you miles? Do. But I guess you, you do. just do, you, right? You're, you're, you're the you know, pro. As I reminded you, because yes. we were on calls, long business calls after your 20 miler, there was no rest for the weary that day. And, <laughs> and, uh, no. Um, I mean, you ran that, you know, so it was a Friday morning, <laughs> you know, you, you hadn't been tapering. There was no one else around, you know, sure that you passed some people mm-hmm. on the, on the trail. But other than that, it wasn't like there were crowds lining the, the avenue as you ran and you know you have learned to fuel during your training (laughs) yes 
Yes, 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 I have. Thank yes. you to you and Dimity and Google. Yeah. So, yes. uh, so you're going you to fuel much. properly and you're going to, there's aid stations so you can get as much fluid as you feel your body needs. So, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're just right. going to be... Um, you know, as I've told you, it's the whole thing's not going to be fun. There will be challenging, demanding no. points to it. But that's what, you know, marathons are for. You, you dig deep and learn what you're made of. But, um, you know, but you're also right. going to have fun and the adrenaline is it's going to be there. And, and the, the fear that you feel now, the concern you feel now will morph into excitement. And um, you'll channel that excitement onto the road. So... Oh, see, thank you. That's just what I needed to hear. Um, and I think that that's, I, I mean, I agree. That's just so true. I think that we'll, you know, all these nerves will go away and I will remember that, you know, mm -hmm. I've been working hard for the last, you know, what, 16 weeks and I'm prepared for it. Um, and if it doesn't go perfectly, that's fine. And I think that it'll just be so fun to you know, pick my head up and look at all the sites of Chicago oh, exactly. and relive those memories. Oh, exactly. so, and I mean, what a it'll, beautiful, it'll be good. beautiful yeah, marathon yeah. with great crowd support. And, you know, uh, Bart Yasso, the um, famous longtime contributor to Runner's World, he said, um, always choose a very yes. memorable kind of iconic marathon to be your first so that when people ask you, you have a good answer. So you have an excellent answer, Katie. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah. it was all part of the strategy. Mm -hmm. And and that mm -hmm. it's flat, mm -hmm. too. I mean, let's not, yes. let's not forget that part. And I'm hoping that the training at altitude will, you know, be a little bit of benefit for me, too. So oh, and of course, and it's the reason that you're skating into town sure. only the day before, so you can still maintain that high altitude effect. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We can't even go there. That's a whole other oh, podcast, Katie, about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. <laughs> I'm blaming that one on my husband. He booked our flights. And I was like, wait, when did you book them? I mean, we get in at 1130, I think, on Saturday. So, yeah, we can't even talk about it because it'll yeah, come yeah. into Oh, my goodness. Well, attack. we are going to um, shift back to breast cancer now. Um, we'll be bringing on our first guest in a minute. But um, first, uh, we want to encourage people to join our second annual Mother Load of Miles. It's a celebration of women running around the country. So you get together. You can run solo with a four-legged friend. You can get together a group of a group of pals, you know, or just put up a sign somewhere, put up something on Facebook because we want to see your miles on October 5th and 6th. And you uh, can just pin on a mother load bib and move forward. You can um, do all sorts of tags on social media and it's free, but we hope you'll consider making a donation to the Donna Foundation, a nonprofit that focuses on um, helping those uh, finan helping people financially with critical needs of families living with breast cancer. So donations of any size are welcome. And like we said, it's, it's truly free. So um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So um, yes, but we'll be back with the first of our four guests. We're going to be talking to um, one gentleman and three mother runners, um, all dealing with different stages of breast cancer or people in their lives who had breast cancer. So stay with us. Joining us now is Kelly Jackson, a mom of three who lives in the Denver area. Kelly has been to several of our AMR retreats. Um, in fact, she was diagnosed with breast cancer right after one of them, which I suspect crushed, crushed the post-retreat buzz pretty quickly. Um, thank you for chatting with us, Kelly. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Hi, Kelly. It's so um, nice to talk to you. I know we've chatted a lot during your journey. And so everyone knows, tell us about your kids. Um, how old are they? 
Well, I have a son who will be 13 in December, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a daughter who's eight and another daughter who's five. Oh, nice, nice. So before we talk cancer, uh, we need to share with folks about what you do in your professional life with counseling students, as I wish we had a clone of you um, to ensure <laughs> that every school would have at least one Kelly Jackson. So tell us what it is you do. So I primarily work with um, kids ages 10 to I say 25 because they're still kind of in that kid stage then, but primarily teens. And I work a lot with the um, LGBTQA community or what I've been given permission to call the queer community. Um, I remember when I was growing up, that was kind of like an offensive word. Yeah. yeah. But the mm -hmm. community, yeah, the community is starting to take it back and make it positive and also kind of make it easier than saying all those letters. Oh, I didn't. So, so now queer is kind of the umbrella term for all, you know, it's yeah. been used as an umbrella term. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 And it's, it was a shock to me too, but since I have like 50% of my clients identify in that community, mm -hmm. um, the consensus is it's okay now. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us about your running background. So, off and on, I've been running probably since before my son was born, and I didn't actually start running. I just befriended a lot of runners, like so, <laughs> by proxy. Because we are a lot of fun, don't forget. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and I, I tried to do a half marathon after my first daughter was born, and I really didn't train. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I walked 12 of the 13 miles. Um, but I finished it and then I was like, okay, I need to not shoot for the moon and just try 5k. And mm -hmm. so from then I just did some 5k's, which I really enjoyed, but I actually like 10k. That's my sweet spot. I'm with you. I like 10k's as well. I think it's, you know, it's just a good fun distance and you can speed or you can cruise or, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to train all that much for it. It's, it's my right. favorite distance as well. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> So now to the reason why we're all here because of this yucky disease called breast cancer. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed, which I remember so vividly, mm -hmm. and what your treatment looked like. So um, I had my physical when I was 40 because I'm super good about that stuff. And my doctor was like, well, I'll get you a mammogram because you're 40, but I wouldn't worry too much about it because you don't have history or anything. So I, I waited and I waited until after the retreat because I was like, this is no big deal. Um, but then three weeks after that, I, around that, I was diagnosed. Um, they said I had a little tiny tumor about the grain of rice in my left breast. Um, and I remember not believing it because I couldn't feel it. My doctor couldn't feel it. I have no history. I mean, just it was a shock. Um, so it was really hard to believe it. Um, and then I was going to do, it, it was kind of questionable whether I was going to do chemo and radiation. Um, but then when they did the MRI, they found that there was a micromastasis in my sentinel node. Mm -hmm. And although it was really, really small um, because of the type of breast cancer I had, which was triple negative, it's super aggressive and they just didn't want to take any chances. Um, so we had the mastectomy in December and then I was flat for a year and a half while I went through treatment, um, five months of chemo and a month of radiation. 
that was, I remember, you know, cause we were um, talking to each other during that, that that was a tough decision for you, you know, whether or not, because it was such a small, in, you know, such a small amount that they found in, in your Sentinel node, mm-hmm. what you should do. I mean, I, the doctors tell you one thing, but your heart probably tells you another thing. And yeah. it's just, that's the thing about breast cancer that I don't think people realize is there are so many paths that you can go down. Um, yeah. And it's like a big decision tree. You know, you decide this and then they can go so many different branches. And there's a lot of decisions that you have to make along the way. It's not just one strict path for you. So right. tell us about like, how did, you know, how did that, what did that look like? Did you just have a lot of discussions with your family, with your doctors about what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was between my husband and me, um, Mm -hmm. because I knew that I would not be able to do anything really for probably a year while I healed. And my littlest was like barely three years old. Um, she didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I guess it kind of came down to it. Like, because it's aggressive, because they caught it early, um, and because the treatment that they gave me is the most effective treatment um, to prevent it from coming back, it, it seemed like a no-brainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although, you know, going through the chemo, every single time I got the treatment, I just wanted to stop. And yeah. it was so hard to like do it again. Mm-hmm. Oh. It is. It is. You just have to keep going back and going back. And, but you have to remember that, you know, this is all for the greater good. Right. And that's, that's what you have to keep telling yourself. Yeah. My doctor called it my insurance plan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So how active were you during treatment? Were you able to continue running or walking? You know, were you physically doing much outside of watching Netflix on the couch? Cause that's what I did during my <laughs> treatment. <laughs> yeah. I um I think I was in denial the first treatment because I had a very delayed reaction to mm-hmm. the red devil as they call it. It's like adriamycin or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt really bad the first night and then I woke up and I was like, I totally feel fine. So I went to Pilates, I walked my dog and then like Monday night, I thought I was going to die and mm-hmm. it was just knocked me out. And then after like about five days, I started feeling better. So I'm like, I can do this. So then I started walking and doing everything. And slowly it just was like, cause it's accumulative. Just mm-hmm. every hit knocked me down further. And I think the worst part was the brain fog. Like I remember just sitting in a chair, just staring. Like I couldn't read, I couldn't watch TV. There was just nothing I could focus on. Yeah. I still blame a lot of things on chemo brain. I don't know if you can do that <laughs> after three years, but I'm convinced yeah. that it lingers for a while. It does. It does. And, and the physical effects too, because I recently had my two-year checkup just Monday and I'm starting to get kind of that neuropathy back um, oh. where the strength is there in my hands and feet, but the sensation is kind of numbed. Mm. Um, and so that gets kind of scary when, I'm walking (laughs) Mm -hmm. or or trying to carry something. Um, So we're kind of looking at how I can manage that a little bit better. Okay. There's just so many things that, you know, if you haven't gone through, you just don't know our effects of it. Oh yeah. Oh, and there's so many types. Like I just Mm -hmm. thought it was like breast cancer, but now there's so many types, which is also very scary. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I say let's um, let's lighten the mood a teeny bit because I want to <laughs> I want to ask a question that because other than me with Molly, I think you pretty much have the world's greatest running friend, Amanda. Oh, 
I love her. I I love her too. I love both of you. So um, talk about how she helped you during your cancer treatment and post-cancer recovery. Well, I remember she was the second person I told. Mm. And um, her being a nurse, she really understood all the medical verbiage way better than I did. Mm. Um, And so that was kind of helpful. I do think she was holding back a little bit on the suspicion because <laughs> she could read um, the medical stuff better than I. Um, but I remember her coming down shortly after and spending the night at my house because she moved to Frisco. And um, she went with me to my MRI and that meant the world to me because um, it was such a tough appointment. And we dressed in um, llama onesies from target oh my gosh because that's what you, you do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna send you a picture of that but i'm sort of crying in it um but Aww. we did that and then um we kind of lightened up the mood a little bit by you know messing with the nurses um and so that was amazing she was there every step and she she really wanted to come to chemo with me but that those first two months i i was like who wants to be sad with me for like three to four hours? Like, I don't want to be sad. (laughs) I don't want, um, but finally, like with the second round, since I had to do it weekly, I relented and she was there for that too. So she's been amazing. Oh, I, um, I had friends come in town for every single one of my treatments as well. And now that I'm out of it, you know, you, when you're going through it, you just appreciate the support. Right. But I don't think you realize the magnitude of how much it helps you. until you're, until you're out of it. And I constantly am trying to tell them, like, you don't understand how much it meant for me, for you to be there. And what can I do to support you? What can I do to kind of get you back? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you probably feel the same way about Amanda too. Like they just bring sitting with you during chemo, bringing over a meal, like taking care of your kids, all of those little things may seem so mundane, but they add up immensely um, and help so much. Yeah. And I'm kind of stubborn and asking for help. (laughs) Yes. So it was like, it was huge when I finally was like, okay, yes, please help me. (laughs) Yeah. It would be great. Definitely. So you had, um, obviously a really long road of treatment and then you had, you know, really major surgery. So Mm -hmm. what, you know, have you started running again? Um, and what did that kind of look like? Was it just a few steps at first and then have you progressed or where, where are you at right now with your running? Um, well, I had a reconstruction in end of March. Mm -hmm. Um, and so between like ending radiation and the surgery, I kind of was like, should I get back into it? I'm going to get knocked down again. So (laughs) how much should I get into it? So I, I walked as much as I could, but it didn't really try to run a lot. Um, cause I knew I was going to have another 12 weeks of just like not being able to do much. Um, so probably end or mid July, um, one of my friends <laughs> wanted me to do the wonder woman run with her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I was like, sure, that sounds good. And, um, I didn't, I had forgotten how much I loved it. Cause I walked the first two miles with her. And then the last one I was like, no, I want more. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just ran as fast as I could, which was like, you know, 20 miles an hour. It was super slow. Um, but I finished it and I was like, I really want to do this again. So, um, the chemo still hurts my joints a little bit. Like, you know, what I was saying with the neuropathy. So I'm really, really Mm -hmm. slow. Um, but I got a puppy like right after radiation, (laughs) uh, you know, cause you have to. And, um, of course, 
he pulls me a lot. <laughs> so um, he kind of forces me to run a little bit, which I am grateful to him for. Oh, nice. So I do want to do it. I, my favorite, favorite race was the 10 K at Spokane because uh-huh. it was a trail run. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking I, I want to do trail running, you know, and then this happened. So I think now I'm ready to get back into it and actually focus on trail running. Cause I just, it was, it was like heaven. I loved it. Oh, that was such a fun race. Oh yes. Yeah. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my best memories of you is, was when we recorded the Kara Goucher podcast and you walked <laughs> in with your cute little pixie haircut and the biggest <laughs> smile on your face. And I, and I have to believe I, you know, I don't know you all that well and I don't live by you, but your smile is probably what carried you through all of this. Um, <laughs> and it was just so sweet to see, and you know, it was kind of like, you're going to be okay. And I'd love to know any advice you would give to women who are listening, who, you know, are, have been diagnosed or going through treatment and what they can do to kind of keep smiling during their journey. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I was so excited to see you guys. Cause I mean, honestly, that community, you guys helped me tremendously through this. So I guess I would say like, find your community, you know, and if you have one, you know, pay attention and ask for help and be there for them. Um, And don't talk about cancer when you're around them. (laughs) um, Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Um, But yeah, do, do things that are funny. Um, I think my humor, I needed to laugh a little bit. I wanted to get a headband that just had bangs at one point <laughs> because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh my God. That's amazing. Do they, do they make such things? They do. And I'm like, what would you use this for? <laughs> I guess if you wore hats a lot, you know, then you could have bangs as well. Maybe. True. I don't know. Oh my yeah. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my so. goodness. So, so athletically, do you think you have any takeaway from your experience with breast cancer? Like now, when you think about mile 11 of a half marathon, do you just like laugh and think like, well, I thought that was hard. I thought that was difficult. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think like now that anything that happens to me, I'm like, I've been through worse. Like um, yesterday I got in a minor car accident. It was really nothing. I got rear-ended and my kids were in the car with me and they were just freaking out. And I remember my heart rate didn't even go up slightly. Wow. I was just like, okay, we got hit. Let's go get the information. But like, it it just seems like nothing, nothing scares me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a beautiful gift that you receive, right? Um, right? This perspective that you get that, you know what, you've been, you've been down um, really, really far, deeply down in the dumps. And yeah. it's going to take a lot for you to go back down there. So might as well just try to look at the positive and, and realize how grateful you are to still be standing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And athletically, I've been focusing a lot on yoga. I think I do yoga almost every single day. Um, and that's been great for everything. And then slowly start incorporating the running back into it would be like my perfect recipe. Did you do yoga before your diagnosis? I did, um, just not as frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I would maybe do it like once or twice a week if I was really on top of it. Uh-huh. Um, but that's been another love of mine too. And now I'm like, this is good. This is something I can do. And the meditative aspect of it has mm-hmm. been really beneficial. Mm-hmm. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, we hope to see you and Amanda at another retreat sometime soon or at a podcast recording in Denver or one of those places. So (laughs) me too. That would be wonderful. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for sharing with us. Bye, Kelly. Bye.
Now we're joined by Heidi Gillenwater, a cancer researcher and a mom of four in Charlottesville, Virginia, another multi-retreat attendee. And Heidi was diagnosed this past March. Thanks for joining us, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, so, all right. You mentioned before you went on the air that you had a dream that I came over and recorded the podcast at your house. I did. Yeah. (laughs) You came over. And the other thing that was really funny was that my hair had fully grown back. Um, I can tell you it has not, (laughs) but anyway, it was pretty, pretty weird. Sure. That means something. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's get Freud in here and say what, (laughs) analyze it for us. Um, All right. A little foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that will happen (laughs) in a few years. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, and we're going to see each other in the twin cities because you just decided on a whim to buy a ticket to go there. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Good, good. All right. So tell us the ages of your kids and a bit about your running background. I know you've been a uh, runner for um, about three decades. Yeah, so I have a 23-year-old son, a 20-year-old daughter, a almost 16-year-old daughter, and a 13-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've been running for a long time. Mostly, um, I initially just started running to kind of keep in shape as a, a young adult. Um, but then really, probably, uh, I guess in the last six years ago, I became more serious, probably because my youngest was finally six, and I was, you know, finally recovered from him, and, you know, really started noticing that I could maybe run a little bit faster and that was fun. So I kind of focused more on um, speed after that. And um, I've been enjoying racing and things like that since that time. So Heidi, the reason why we're all here is because we're part of this unfortunate club called breast cancer. Um, So tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed, um, what age you were diagnosed and what kind of breast cancer you had and what your treatment um, you know, what your treatment has been. Yeah. So, um, I'm 53 and I was diagnosed this March. So March, um, of this year and, um, it, it came up, um, it came up on an annual mammogram, but also I had noticed a lump, um, really a, maybe a month or so before that. So I was a little bit more nervous about this mammogram, but, um, initially I had reassured myself because I looked at the uh, mammogram that I had and I, I thought it looked fine. And so I was thinking I dodged the bullet. Um, but then um, fortunately the radiologists are better than I am. And they called me back and said they wanted to take a better look. Um, so they did. And um, ultimately they um, did an ultrasound which showed um, two distinct masses which were biopsied on that day. And the sort of really kind of cool AMR thing about this whole process was that I have a group of friends that I met at the first AMR retreat. Um, and we've, we sort of have this group chat and I literally brought them into the radiology suite with me. And I started texting Aww. them when I had, um, you know, the uh, callback and ultimately biopsy that same day. So they were, they were in on the whole thing with me um, that day and have been with me throughout this whole process. Um, so, yeah, so got the diagnosis in March. Um, ultimately, um, had surgery on April 4th, which was a lumpectomy and a sentinel lymph node biopsy. And um, the uh, sentinel lymph node biopsy showed one lymph node that had uh, a small number of of cancer cells in there, so less than 200, so that means micrometastatic disease. And um, the the size of the mass, they ultimately, there were two masses, like I said, on ultrasound, but there were, on pathology, there was a little bit of tumor in between the mass, so they the masses, so they um, 
decided it was probably one and that was um, ultimately measured around three centimeters. So ultimately with stage two with micrometastatic disease and that one lymph node. Um, so after that, after I recovered from surgery, um, I started chemotherapy in May and I um, received dose dense adriamycin and cytoxin. So every two weeks for four cycles and then four cycles of Taxol, also dose dense. So every two weeks for four cycles. And I finished that last one in um, August on August 14th. And then I started radiation on September 9th. And so I'm now 16 fractions into a total of 30 planned fractions of radiation. So I'm getting there. Starting You're to see the there. lights. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll have what? adjuvant or I'll have um, aromatase inhibitor therapy probably for five or 10 years after that. So this will mm -hmm. be part of my life for a while. <laughs> what are you going to do to celebrate when you're done with radiation? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Uh, well, I celebrated chemotherapy hard with a, um, um, a race. So I did this um, race that's um, done in uh, Charlottesville every year called the Charlottesville Women's Four Miler, which was a pretty awesome way to celebrate because this um, race is uh, for women only, and it's um, designed to raise money for the UVA Breast Care Center, which is where I received my care. So it seemed like a great place to celebrate and also give back to the place that's been um, really saving my life. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, so hearing you talk, Heidi, you you know toss out these words that just are not in a lot of people's vernacular. Do you find that it um, helps you to be a cancer researcher and so to know more about this? Or do you feel sometimes maybe you know too much? Um, I think it's good and bad. And so, you know, when I got news, I immediately, um, or if I had a test scheduled, my brain would immediately go to the worst case scenario because that's mm -hmm. what my brain is trained to do. My brain is trained to worry about the the worst possible thing that could happen to the patient and try to you know save their lives. So um, my brain had already gone there. So by the time I got um, the news or the results from the physician who ordered the test, I had already sort of processed the worst possible case scenario. And so I never felt like I received bad news. So that was oh. one good huh. part about having this knowledge. But But I did have to I think I did have some suffering in silence um, processing that information because I also didn't want to scare my family or friends with mm -hmm. the things that I was afraid of. So um, sure. I processed them. And then um, and then if I did get news that wasn't great, um, like, for example, that that lymph node that I wasn't happy about having cancer in or there was an MRI of the breast that I had, which showed that um, the tumor was probably growing into my pectoralis muscle, which I didn't like to know about, but I was able to process it so that I was able to then um, explain it to my family and friends in a way that hopefully was reassuring to them as well. Oh. Oh. Uh -huh. um, but I feel that might have been, do you feel that was a, that an added burden on you or did you feel that that was a gift you could give them and thus made you feel good about it? I guess I felt like it was a gift I could give them and I could feel good about it. I think, yeah, I mean, I tend to like to have a lot of information, maybe just by my nature. So having been specifically trained on oncology, I, um, you know, it, it did provide comfort for myself. So I think um, all in all, it was, it, I think it's a, it's a good thing for me. Good, good, good. Mm -hmm. So, so let's shift to running for a sec. Um, we, you kind of alluded to it that you've been working on speed since you, um, in the past six years. And during that time, you've been um, chasing a Boston qualifying time in a marathon. 
So um, in a blog post on the Another Mother Runner site this week, you talked about how you took much of the physical wisdom you learned in that BQ quest and applied it to your fight against cancer. So can you uh, elaborate on that for us? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, when I initially started thinking, you know, let's see how fast I can run. I My approach was, you know, run as much as possible, run as fast as possible, really, you know, you know, Um, no pain, no gain kind of an approach. And I, um, you know, I didn't really understand the value of sort of the balance of um, um, hard work with rest and recovery. And I didn't really understand. I thought recovery, uh, is that really necessary? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't really have time for that. Um, But what I learned by that approach was that I, um, that I got injured and ultimately, you know, that, that approach didn't work. So uh, when I I started embracing this whole idea of recovery and reading more about that and how there really needs to be a balance of um, uh, stress management um, and and rest and sleep so that whatever good work that you're doing in terms of running and uh, maybe speed work on one day that can actually get incorporated and translated into um, improved fitness. And so, um, yeah, so I think that the, the the specific things that I learned that have been really helpful to me, um, uh, meditation, which I wasn't, I was doing sporadically um, throughout, um, you know, more more often um, in my training, um, really sort of focused on my nutrition. I worked a lot with Ellie and, and um, really learned a lot from her in terms of nutrition. And then I, um, I'm a geek about um, different ways to monitor sleep. And so, I've sort of pay attention to things that improve my sleep and, um, and sort of try to repeat those things. So for example, drinking alcohol, if I drink alcohol, I'm going to have poor REM or poor deep sleep and, and just overall, uh, less time in sleep. And so little things like that seem to make a difference. And, um, when I got diagnosed with, um, breast cancer, I realized, uh, you know, I really, really need to get myself in a a calmer state, you know, stress is not going to help this situation. And so, mm-hmm. um, probably the, the thing that I started turning to most was meditation. And so I've been, um, faithfully meditating almost every day. I think I've probably missed five or six days since my diagnosis. And, um, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's hard to know, you know, it, day by day, what effects it's having, but I do think that my, my sleep quality is better and other simple little things, I do seem to be more focused, um, you know, at work or just in simple conversations with people. And um, so I, I do think that it's making a difference and I do feel calmer and I, I yeah, I'm a believer. There's, there's so many things that you said there that resonated with me. I remember one, I had three little kids when I was diagnosed. I still have the three little kids, but they were really <laughs> little when I was diagnosed. And I felt so guilty about, you know, laying in bed on, you know, the day, the really hard day after chemo. And a good friend of mine said, you know, Katie, you have been taking care of your children and you've been running and you've been doing all of these things. Like now is the time that you need to focus on yourself and everyone else is going to be okay. And everything else will return once you're done with this, but you need to focus on recovery. You need to focus on, you know, I, I, you know, meditating, nutrition, all of these things that are going to benefit you during your treatment. And it'll just help you absorb the drugs and, and, you know, fight this fight for you. And so I think that's an important message to tell people that, you know, you need to take some time for yourself and really let, let everything work its magic. 
I, I completely agree. There have been times when I've had other, you know, stressful things in my life, um, family related or whatever, work related. And I have sort of instinctively, you know, realized that I can't handle that additional stress right now. And so I'll reach out to someone else, you know, maybe it's another family mm -hmm. member or friend and I'll say, Hey, can you, um, can you help me with this? Can you deal with this thing that I'm stressed out about? So I don't have to stress out about it anymore. Um, yeah, so just turning for it over. You. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you've been incorporating more strength training since your cancer treatment. And that is, um, you know, something that I think we all need to work on a little bit more. So tell us a little bit how you've incorporated that into your workout routines. Yeah. So, um, like I think I said in the um, blog post, I have been able mm -hmm. to continue to run and strength train throughout all of this, but the running has been harder. Certainly, um, chemotherapy is not a performance enhancing drug and it, and it has been more of a no challenge, more. but once I recovered from surgery, I felt like I had no limitations with strength work. So, um, yeah, so I've, um, I've been going to this gym, this local gym in town called Formula Complete Fitness, and they have a variety of different workouts, but um, a couple of them that I love. One incorporates some intervals on the treadmill and then um, strength work, which you alternate back and forth with. And there's a lot of focus on muscles that are important for running. So glutes and core and, and all of that. And so now I really feel like my muscles are, um, out of proportion to my cardiovascular fitness right now. And my legs are like, I just want to run. <laughs> um, and so I'm, you know, I can tell now I'm about two months out from chemotherapy. And my guess is that my anemia is probably getting better. I'm noticing my resting heart rate is coming back down and, and running is starting to feel easier. And my legs are really happy to start using those muscles that have been built up and, um, and stuff over this, um, these past several months. So, yeah, it's, it's I think probably, uh, a, another, maybe a bonus, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. So, are there any gear like modifications you've had to make along the way, like to accommodate a port or when your scars were healing or anything like that? Yeah. So I did um, find that some of my um, my running bras did not um, were not comfortable over my port. So I did. Uh -huh. I would have to be a little bit careful about that. Um, the scar, you know, at first maybe a little bit, um, but I think I, you know, I I probably didn't get back into the gym much until I started running a little bit after two weeks, but not too much. Um, so I, yeah, I was pretty healed um, from the outside um, by that point. So I guess, yeah, the scar wasn't much of an issue, but I was very careful. The last thing I wanted to do in that early post-op period was um, have chafing or something like yeah, that, that yeah. would maybe mm -hmm. lead to an infection and delay my, my recovery. Yeah, I will, um, a little plug for handful bras. That's the one bra that I've used since all of my surgeries. And they, it is amazing. I think that the way that they fit, the way that they support, but not too tight. Um, if, you know, if you're looking for a new one, I would definitely recommend checking those out. Yeah. I have a drawer full of handful drawers, uh, handful oh, bras. Okay. Yeah. They, they were definitely my, my go-to very comfortable, um, in fact, I, I have a picture of me right before going into surgery wearing that. It was my sort of last um, uh, picture of me in full, <laughs> full girls. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, way back when. Um, way back when. So wait, when you talk about meditation, because I'm intrigued by this, do you, how do you practice it? Is it an app on your phone? I mean, 
you know, it's, it would be amazing if you could lay on your couch in your bedroom and do it, but I imagine that's not the case. What, yeah. what does that look like for you? How do you it's, do it? Um, I'm most um, often I'm using an app on my phone. So the um, Headspace okay. app, um, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm pretty intimidated by trying to get myself through a meditation, but I have, I think now that I've been doing it so much, um, I've been able to do it a little bit. So for example, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I've have a routine where I can, um, you know, that I've, I've listened to enough of their go back to sleep um, routine that I can do that on my own. And here's another, um, I think this was one particular point in this whole process that was really helpful. Um, right before surgery, um, they did this thing called needle localization. So they put a needle in the, the mass so that when mm -hmm. the surgeon, they, they could basically make sure that they got the right thing. And that mm -hmm. was pretty nerve wracking if anyone has had that done or even can imagine. Um, and so I literally did meditate. And I think for the first time saw that blue orb that they talk about that you're supposed to see, but it was incredibly um, helpful for me to go through that at, around that time. Oh, wow. That's so neat. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, all right, Heidi. So what's next on your running horizon other than our Rancho La Puerta <laughs> retreat with your I, sister? Oh yeah. I'm so looking forward to that. I, <laughs> you uh, and me yeah, both. that is yes. <laughs> absolutely what I need. Um, so, you know, the one thing that's been interesting, um, it's, I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with um, small community events. So I did the four miler, as I mentioned, um, before all of this started, I did the 10 miler, which was my sort of, you know, awesome last hurrah before, jumping into this treatment, but um, I'm actually planning on joining um, my son, my 23 year old son to do an 8K, the Richmond 8K, to um, be there for my nephew who is um, running his first marathon. So it'll be just oh, a awesome. fun little joyful run with my son, which I've never done before, other than oh. when he was three and he reminds me of when I pushed him through the snow in a 5K. <laughs> <laughs> in the stroller. Um, I think Me yeah, this might be a better experience for him. He, I'm sure he tells you, Mom, I totally remember it. It was he really does. cold. He it was does. There was snow in my face. It, yeah, we actually didn't finish. That would be, we could just have been on your DNF um, podcast, but it's, oh I thought the torture was enough and we went in and got hot cocoa, but still it was enough for them to not um, enjoy it. <laughs> oh my God. So, so two decades, he's ready to, to he's go ready back to, out he's there with you. He's going to jump in again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you in just a few days, Heidi, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Well, next I have one of my favorite things, which is a guest in studio. Um, Megan Zonich is a mom of two who lives outside of Portland. Uh, Megan was diagnosed in mid-August, which she detailed this way in an email. Major suckage, especially since I was primed to run an A race to BQ on September 15. So thanks for coming in, Megan, and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, tell us the ages of your kids, and um, if you don't mind me asking, your age as well. Of course. I am 43. Yes, I'm 43. <laughs> I had to think about that. Um, and my, my son is 13, Raymond, and my daughter, Maggie, is 11, going on 18. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. I have three girls and they're all going on. They're all going to be teenagers here pretty soon. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and your lead up to attempting to qualify for Boston. I mean, that's amazing. Have you ever run Boston before? I have not. I've tried to qualify okay. four times. 
and have okay. have come have come close a couple of times and and have had the wheels fall off the bus bus a couple of times. Um, but I started I started running track in fourth grade. My parents just signed me up without any discussion. It just was something we did. And then um, into high school, I was um, pretty gifted in high jump. And so that I would do the minimal one, two lap warm up run and then uh, head my head myself over to the high jump pit and uh, ended up high jumping for University of Oregon. Oh, and um, so it must be wow. kind of good. It, yeah, it was it was decent enough to walk on. Uh-huh. Um, and wow. um, it was I always had my coaches telling me what to do. And so then by the time I got out of college, it was great to have the freedom of not having practice every day. Um, <laughs> but without the accountability of a, a plan or a, a practice or coach yelling at you. Um, I was not very consistent with my running. Um, and then my husband and I, when we were dating, I decided to run a half marathon just from the sure determination of being a stubborn person that thought, I just figured that was a, a goal I wanted to accomplish. And I remember sp- the day that I ran my first mile without walking. And uh. I was so proud of myself on a treadmill of all things. Um, <laughs> which sounds so silly now that I like to run marathons. Um, and then that just led into, um, I did my first half marathon and then that led into marathons. And then I did one, the Portland marathon probably 15 years ago and it was a one and done. I was never going to do it again. (laughs) And then I got the bug back probably six or seven years ago and do about, uh, about one marathon a year. Nice. Nice. Wow. But still trying to get that BQ. Uh uh So what was going to be a BQ race? um, It was, the race I was going to run was the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh yeah. It's a great one. I yeah. have done, I did it two years ago and it was, it's such a beautiful course and it's the gentle downhill does not hurt the limbs at all. Um, it's a crushed gravel. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt your knees as bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, that gentle downhill is fantastic. Um, I did it yeah two years ago and then I was supposed to do it last year and then I ended up getting pneumonia mm. And then I was supposed to do it in June, and I ended up getting pneumonia again oh, in the, in the oh my gosh. early uh, spring. And so then I de- deferred it to September, and then uh, wah, wah, got wow. breast cancer. Wow, wow. <laughs> so when you got your diagnosis, like where in the chain of your thoughts did the marathon enter the mental picture? And I have a anecdote to kind of share what it is. I mean, my... Um, Jack's my second husband, and uh, my uh, when my first husband just out of the blue announced that he wanted out of our marriage, I swear within like the first hour, I said out loud, but you're a really good driver. Like, just all these, you know, it's like faced with something really traumatic, and it's just like these little, you know, like, so um, so where did, yes, when did I, you think, but wait, I'm running right a marathon. Away. Like, oh. it was, it was a, but no, this can't happen. I have a marathon in four weeks. Uh-huh. I, I'm I'm in really good shape right now to have my marathon. I'm really, really prepared to crush this marathon. And my oncologist said, honey, no, there's mm-hmm. always going to be, there's going to be a million races, mm-hmm. but no, you can't do more than 10 miles. Mm-hmm. And that sucked really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It sucks. But Megan, you're going to do it again. Oh I, that. oh, I know. I'm a you stubborn will. Irish woman. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm already looking at my races for next year. I probably won't try to qualify for another year and a half. Because um, mm-hmm. let's be honest, after six rounds of chemo and and um, I have surgery that I don't know if it's going to be a lumpectomy or mastectomy. We'll see. Kind of hoping for a pair of nice new ladies. Um, 
because I wouldn't do that on my own. Um, and then I have five rounds of ra- five weeks of radiation to follow that. So next summer I will be recovering and retraining, and then we'll attack the marathon in 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say that is kind of the funny joke. Um, it's the boob job, you know, that you didn't have to pay for, oh, and absolutely. that you never really knew that you wanted. Um, oh, so I wanted it. it. <laughs> I just I think I always get it. secretly, yeah. I think I always secretly wanted it, but never was really going to act on it. Now I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I've got great boobs now. So that's that's the light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Um, that's this, your light I, at yeah, the end of the tunnel I, I now. Think exactly. When you're given this diagnosis, you have to find the silver lining where you can. And yeah, it sounds it's. I know it's petty and vain, but hey, it new boobs is new boobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you find the positive in that. So all of us out there in breast cancer land, you know, always kind of want to know the stats um, behind your diagnosis. So what type of breast cancer do you have? Um, And you told us a little bit about your treatment. When will you determine if you're going to get a lumpectomy or a mastectomy? Well, it just depends on how you react to the chemo. I think it's how I react to the chemo. I meet with my Mm -hmm. surgical oncologist again in, I think, another month. Um, Okay. I am, I am like I just had my second round of chemo last week. So I'm still pretty okay. early into my, into my treatment. Um, I have ductal, uh, ductal carcinoma. So it's, uh, a ER positive, HER2 positive. I feel like there's some, Oh, uh, progesterone positive. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. I have to, I'd have to actually look, I have chemo brain. So I'd have to actually look at my paperwork to know exactly what I have. Um, yeah. Uh, but it is it is stage two. Um, it is grade three, so it's the most aggressive. I have a tumor in mm-hmm. my right breast and in my right armpit in my lymph nodes, but it did not okay. spread anywhere else. Thank God. Thank God, right? I was her two positive as well, so that's you, you know it's it's definitely one of the more more rare ones. You don't find that many people who have been her two. But the grateful thing about that is there are some amazing drugs that are available to her two positive um, diagnosis. Yes. Yes, I yeah. I will be on um I will receive uh medication for that for the her two positive side for a full calendar year. Mm. So I have six the Herceptin. Of, the, yes. Mm-hmm. Again, chemo brain. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I'm amazed that you're sitting, you know, you're up and about. I I, I give you a lot of um that's very impressive because it's it knocks you down. It definitely does. So good for you for just standing up. Again, I'm a stubborn Irish woman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I have, uh, I've spent some time in a hyperbolic oxygen chamber. Um, a, uh, that has been hugely helpful, Mm. uh, in, in rebounding from chemo. I did it, um, probably a week after my first round and then I did it again, um, last week. So day three of chemo. And then I did it again Mm -hmm. yesterday and, um, those back to back, just pure oxygen, uh, just pumping into your body for an hour, hour and a half at a time is, is I would highly recommend if that, if people have that at their disposal. So that's something that's offered at the cancer treatment center or that's no, like some it's, it's, flaky Oregon thing. It's a flaky Oregon right thing. Right on. Yes. Keeping Portland weird. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally feel like Michael Jackson. It's like being in a tanning bed <laughs> that is fully enclosed and you have an oxygen mask over your face and you feel like you're go, uh, uh, taking off on an airplane because of the pressurization. Uh-huh. And um, it is totally weird, but it's totally working for me. So, wow. I'm, yeah. 
I, I love it. That's amazing. I would highly recommend. And there, there are there are uh, facilities across the nation that offer the hyperbolic oxygen. Um, I just would recommend if it's if it's something that people can can get access to that um, it was it's been very very beneficial for me. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, when you showed up, I I mean, until you started to talk about your treatment, I just forgot why. You know, I was like, oh, she's just here to talk about running. Like, you know, oh, I wasn't like, oh, here's cancer girl. Wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did throw down for a very nice real hair wig. Oh, that's not true. Th- wow. Oh, huh. Wow, because I mean, I, I was going to say, oh, and you look so Irish with your beautiful freckles and your gorgeous dark oh, hair. Oh, and, you know. thank you. Yeah, it is. It is. I've never had hair this thick before. <laughs> so I'm used to very thin, fine hair. So I have this luscious wig that um, my sisters laugh at because it's so not our family hair at all. <laughs> They're quite jealous. <laughs> just all I have to do is get some cancer, and then you can have a nice, a nice wig to go along with it. Your nice wig. You'll get the new boobs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just some minor down days every few weeks. Oh my right, right. How um, how active have you been during your treatment? I know you're you know still new into the process, but have you? What have you been able to do to kind of um, stay? You're obviously not continuing to train for the you know you're not in marathon training anymore. But what have you been able to keep up with? I um, decided the day that I got the call from my my doctor. Um, that I was going to, I was going to run streak this thing. I like, screw this. Scancer can kiss my buns. I am not going to lay down and take this, uh, easy. So, um, I have been doing at least a mile some days, especially day six after chemo is, has been my worst day. Um, I will walk for a mile mm-hmm. at a very slow gingerly pace. Um, but I'm making myself get out outdoors and, and run, um, and the days that I'm running, I'm usually doing four, five, six miles, wow. um, just because I'm again very stubborn. Um, and I am going to attempt to do a half marathon in Spokane next weekend. It'll oh my be gosh. a lot of walking, but I have a my I have a dear nephew that's a senior at Gonzaga, mm. so um, and he's running it with me. And um, I should yeah. mention that Gonzaga's in Spokane yes. and Eastern Washington. Yeah, yes, uh-huh. yeah, yes, yeah. Sir. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just have uh, my oncologist had said this is not a couch, uh, this is not a couch condition. You don't oh. just sit back and rest. You have to stay mm-hmm. active, even if you don't feel like it. You're going to feel better by just getting outside and moving. So um, with the doctor's support uh, and encouragement, I've, I've been run streaking this, wow. and and. I, I like to have things I can brag about. So being able to brag about <laughs> run streaking through cancer and running a half marathon. Yes, I will do that. You get it, massive bragging rights for that. Yes. Yeah. If I was in studio, I would fist bump you right now. Because oh, that is you. pretty freaking incredible. I The fact that you're going to run a half marathon next weekend, I, I like that is amazing. Good for you. Thank you. That's I'm awesome. not sure how much running will be happening, but yeah. I will cross the finish line it's on my hands and knees if I have to. So long exactly. ago, is it going to be road or trail? Um, I, I, I don't wow, know. You've I haven't researched it, it so greatly. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, um, I can't do the race I wanted to do. So what's the next option? And yeah. this one came, um, uh, my nephew's friend is doing the full marathon and he just mentioned oh. it in passing and it's like, well, if there, if there's a half, I could, I could do a half with you. Yeah. And, um, and so that's that my, his mom, my sister and I are going to drive up and, and do the half together. It'll be pretty. Spokane's so beautiful with the yes. river there. and yeah. Yes. Hopefully yeah. it's not going to snow. <laughs> yeah. And if it does, 
than Soviet. Yeah. All the more bragging rights. That's exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uphill both ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the snow. <laughs> so, so what's caught you most by surprise, either good or bad, um, since your cancer diagnosis? Ooh. One, my Saucony bullet running pants uh-huh. are really irritating. Oh. Which huh. is so annoying because I love them. <laughs> um, but the, I've had some bad D, uh, GI issues uh-huh. and um, I normally wear running pants all day day long that's just uh-huh. what i live in uh-huh. um and the tightness around which is usually great for your holding your belly in um is is more irritating so unfortunately that that's a surprise uh-huh. did not expect that i did not expect um the almost like body sores for lack of better words um and sarah can see that i, I just have just little sores that have developed on my chest and my arms that i did not expect mm. um so um i did not expect the amount of support I would get Mm. from friends and family and people are coming out of the woodworks in the most amazing ways. Mm. Um, yesterday I, with being October 1st, I started a fundraising campaign for a local nonprofit charity that helps single moms going through cancer. I am fortunate enough to, to have a wonderful husband and a support system that helps me do all the things that I need to do. Um, but there are people that are not as fortunate. And so, um, the fundraising, I, I put out a goal to raise $5,000, and yesterday I had th- over $3,000. Wow, on day one. Wow. I was floored. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just the love and support that I've been receiving has been awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. There are not a lot of times in your life when you get to really realize how much people love you and adore you and cherish you. And I think that that's another really neat thing that you learn during breast cancer or what, when you have breast cancer is um, how much of a difference you've made in the world because they want to give it all back to you. Yes. Yes. It is. It is touching the amount of the cards that come in the mail unexpectedly, the texts, the Mm -hmm. check-ins it's, it's been, it's, I'm very, very lucky girl. Oh, good. So what is kind of your, I mean, I know you still have a little bit of a road ahead of you, but what is your post treatment plan um, running wise? What, you know, you mentioned that you want to definitely um, add some races to your calendar next year, but tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking. Well, I um, I definitely will be trying for Boston, but that's that's probably mm-hmm. two years out. Um, okay. I think that next year I will I will do some five, ten Ks, and then um, and maybe try to do a triathlon. I actually listening to an old AMR uh, podcast yesterday on my run. Um, and I can't remember now the context of it, but someone was talking about how someone had done an, an Ironman and that got my mind thinking of that would be really cool breaking oh, rights to say you yeah, did an no, Ironman yeah. after breast cancer. <laughs> easy girl, I, easy I girl. I have not told my husband that one. Um, I'm sure he will <laughs> shut me down fast. Um, so I think that just, just trying to, I, I, I want to run streak through my last day of radiation and then, um, and then see, see how things go from there. Um, and, and probably do, uh, at least a half marathon next year and then get back into marathon training the year after. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so before we went on there, you were saying that on the day you got your diagnosis, you came up with a plan like it. So talk about that. So the, the best, um, I think the best prepared, I, I, the best way to prepare for, for chemo treatment was, is comparing it to marathon training. So I came up with a, I have six rounds every three weeks of chemo. Um, so that's 18 weeks and then in, add two weeks onto the last, that last round for recovery. And I just am tackling it like a 20 week training plan. Um, 
and chunking it up to and I, I chunk my marathons into the first 10 miles the second 10 miles the last 10k mm-hmm. so chunking mm-hmm. my treatment into the first two rounds of chemo on focusing on my mind and and um, learning the process and getting in my groove and and figuring it out kind of like you settle in those first 10 miles of a, of a marathon and then the I plan rounds three and four to work on um uh, you focus on your legs the strength that you did in the marathon so this I'll focus on the the everything all the tools I learned and everything I have established um in those first two two rounds to get me through the next the next two and then the, that last 10k of a marathon can suck mm-hmm. um and you know you're tired and it's a total mind game to get through those the that last 10k and I think that's probably going to be the way the last two rounds of chemo go that it's just going to be a a mind game of getting slugging through that yuck unfortunately it mm-hmm. falls on the holidays but that's okay mm-hmm. at least i'll i won't have to do all the christmas shopping <laughs> yes. i'll pass that one off sorry <laughs> i mean yeah easy exit for the uh holiday parties you don't want to have to go to i'm sorry i have chemo <laughs> i can't make it you do have to dig deep on those last two treatments i will say i remember getting texts from a woman who had gone through it previously. And, you know, you just come to a point where you're like, I don't think I can do this. I just don't think I can do this again. And then someone tells you something and your kid smiles at you and you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can do this. I'm going to make it, I'm going to get through it. And I'm going to be on the other side of this very quickly. So that sounds we will all be like, rooting for you. Thank you. That sounds like a lot like the last 10K of a marathon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I, I'm not going to give crap. I want to be done. <laughs> And yes, what you don't yes. know because you haven't heard the rest of the show is that Katie's running her first marathon in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. So oh. here you are giving her advice. <laughs> this works out well, Katie. We'll have to exchange it numbers. Does. I know, right? It's the it's same metaphor both ways. So, so Megan, what advice might you give women getting a diagnosis of breast cancer or going through treatment? And it, it doesn't have to be related to running. Um. One of the best gifts I've received so far was a shirt from uh, a girlfriend for, I have a port in my left breast and it's pretty down. It was placed very low because I had a wedding the weekend after the port was placed and I had a, a, the neckline of my dress. I wanted it to be discreet. So my port is very low. Um, So my friend sent me a nursing top that Mm -hmm. had zippers along the sides that um, for port placement, you, you don't think of your like a crew neck shirt, you couldn't access the port because of the neckline. So a maternity shirt or, or a nursing shirt worked out, works out really, really well for that access. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be advice that I would, that I would give. Um, and then um, accepting help when it's offered is not always easy for mother runners because mm-hmm. we want we are used to doing everything ourselves and having so many balls in the air. Um but accepting when people have offered to to help, just accepting that. Um, we are fortunate enough that my husband's employer has supplied us with a house cleaner and a meal prep wow. person. Very oh, generous. Oh my gosh. So, so very lucky. So our friends that are offering, what, can we bring you dinner? We don't need that because we have that covered. But we are asking for to take our kids out. And mm-hmm. that's helpful. Just on the days that I'm not feeling well, have scheduling those play dates. Um, knowing ahead of time that those, those days five through seven typically are the, are going to be the worst days post chemo. So having, um, having the forethought to 
think of what to do with the kids of how to send them out of the house. Even the, I've sent my husband out of the house uh, as well. Um, and just stayed home and watched movies by myself because Mm -hmm. if I'm down on the couch, I, I don't need anything anyway Mm -hmm. and it's not Mm -hmm. good for the kids to see. So, and it's nice to recover when it's quiet and they're not bickering. (laughs) So um, yeah, I know. Um, everyone, everyone, all kids get along so well. Um, so yeah, scheduling time, your kids, uh, being out of the house while you recover, um, was, is another one. And I'm sure I'll come up with 15 more. On the drive home. Yeah. On the drive home. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Megan, for coming in and joining us. And we we wish you all the best on your treatment and your, um, BQ goal. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. You got this, Megan. You can do it. Thank you. All right. We are talking with Steve Gallo, president of Ufos, the company that makes the foot-friendly sandals and shoes that I literally live in almost around the clock. Steve is with us today to talk about um, Duncan Finnegan, the global head of brand management and marketing at Ufos, and um, who is a mother of four sons who... um, uh, passed away um, not too long ago from after a long struggle with breast cancer. Um, so um, thank you for joining us, Steve, to talk, to talk about your colleague and what UFOS has done and continues to do in her honor. Yeah, my pleasure, Sarah. Um, I wanted to start off by just sharing the memory of meeting Duncan. I The reason why I'm co-hosting this podcast is because I um, am a three-year survivor of breast cancer. I was diagnosed in October 2016, and I was at a trade show with Sarah, um, in outdoor retailer in January, 2017. And we walked by the UFOs booth and I was new to the running world. So I didn't know much about all the brands and Sarah grabs my arm and she goes, we have to go over there. This is my most favorite brand of, you know, in the entire running <laughs> industry. I love the shoes. I live in yeah. them. I've run so many marathons and they've helped me get through all my training. And I was bald at the time I had a beanie on. So you could tell that there was, I was going through something and, we were chatting with Duncan and she mm-hmm. pulled me aside and she was just so gracious and kind and, and just said, you know, I'm Duncan. I um, have breast cancer. What's, you know, what's going on with you? And I told her my story and she, we connected right then and there. And she was just so warm and welcoming. And, um, you know, I've just kept up with her over the years and I was so heartbroken to hear of her passing this summer, but, you know, I'd love to hear more from you about her as a person and, you know, her, um, just how she was, um, you know, around the halls of UFOs as well. Yeah. Well, for me, first off, thank you for that. And we have so many stories from people like that, whose lives she touched and, she was an incredible human being and, you know, she was employee number one here at UFOS when the founders uh, launched the brand, their condo in um, <laughs> Cohasset, Mass. Um, and, uh, you know, she she really was um, the heart and soul, you know, of the company. And, you know, Duncan was always extremely active, a fantastic runner, was a, was a tennis player in college. And, you know, when she contracted um, Medicare, in metastatic breast stage four breast cancer, we really, the company, we, we feel like the cause it found us, you know, and we picked up the cause and, you know, um, the founders went to Duncan and said, you know, how can we help? And Duncan had been uh, speaking with her doctors at Dana Farber here in Boston. And, you know, it's all about raising money and the more we, the quicker we can, the more money we can raise, the quicker we can, you know, do research that finds a cure. And, you know, we, we stuck a flag in the ground and um, we made, we did some very bold things for a company our size. 
one of which was to give a percentage of all of our sales on ufos.com um, to our Project Pink cause, which is raising money again for, for Dana-Farber. And Duncan really spearheaded that. And, um, you know, by the end of this year, over a little over a two-year period, we'll have donated close to uh, $500,000. Wow. Um, and for a company our size, it, it, yeah. we're very, very proud of it. And I give our founders, Lou Panachone, um and um, Paul Brown a lot of credit because they really they really push for this and um, you know it's incredible and you know we we unfortunately we lost Duncan um, a few months back and um, you know she's always going to be remembered here and you know we take pride in the fact that we want to um, you know as we call it spread the U in her honor and and get more and more people into UFOs and the sky's the limit we want to raise as much money as we possibly can for for Dana Farber because they're an incredible um, um, team over there. Um, but we also on, on Duncan and remembering her, we have, uh, our values, our corporate values. And you hear this a lot of times. And one of the values we added in her honor was passion because that's something that she showed every mm-hmm. single day. And, you know, she was someone that obviously was very intelligent, but had an incredible drive and, and passion for life and for her family. And you mentioned her four boys and her husband, Tom, fantastic people. And, um, you know, for UFOs, she, this was this was her second family, and you know we take a we take a very seriously that, you know, she she would have loved to see what what we're doing and where we want real really where we want to take this brand and continue to help out uh, breast cancer research. That's fantastic. Particularly, I love the that you added passion as a core value. That's fantastic. Um, so I understand that Duncan was an avid cyclist. That um, she really was keen on uh, the Pan Mass Challenge. Is that right? It was. Yep. So she, um, she did the full length right up until she couldn't. And when she, she had a tough time, she met up with her family and all of, uh, team Duncan, um, at one of the, uh, closer checkpoints, and, and tell, but, um, uh, it was an incredible tell folks event. What, for you don't her, know yeah. what pan mass challenge is. Tell folks what that is. So pan mass is a, uh, cross state Massachusetts, uh, bike race where, um, people get um, sponsors to donate money uh, to uh, Dana-Farber. And I, I apologize, I forget the number, but it has grown uh, incredibly over uh, since its existence. And it's just a fantastic event because you have survivors, you have people dealing with treatment, you have, you know, friends and loved ones, and they're riding for, you know, all of those people. And it's just an incredible event that brings people together and it makes you feel great this year. You know, um, those of so our founder, uh, Lou Panachone, rode on Team Duncan, and a lot of us here at the office met them at the midway point with a with a big sign and lunch. And um, you know, Tom and his sons were there, and you know, a lot of Duncan's friends who uh, have ridden in it uh, for years. And it was just a real special moment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sad, but at the same time, just uh, incredibly rewarding for for the folks that uh, that rode in her honor and. You know, the money that they raised was the highest uh, um, she's ever, her team has ever raised. So it was pretty incredible. And it's a, it's a fantastic event that, um, you know, continues to grow year in and year out. I I have to believe that, that, you know, it's, it's a a really tragic thing that happened to Duncan, but she must be smiling um, about everything that is going on, that you guys are continuing to keep her legacy alive um, through, you know, projects 
um, Project Pink, as well as, you know, and incorporating these new values of passion. What else are you guys doing at UFOs to really, you know, keep her legacy and, and um, educate people about breast cancer and the foundation and the, you know, all of the money that you're donating towards treatment at Dana-Farber? As much, as much awareness as we can create, Duncan, okay. Duncan wanted us to, to, you know, feel very comfortable using her as that spokesperson, right? So if you haven't seen it, I advise you to go on, you know, YouTube and or on our website and check out our Project Pink video, which um, Duncan, Duncan leads. And it's an incredibly moving video um, about, you know, it gives you a taste of really kind of who, who she was. And, you know, even in the office today, we keep a picture up of her. We're going to, um, you know, we're going to have an annual award, passion award in her name. Um, we're going to continue. We're going to continue to, you know, raise as much money as we can for, for Dana Farber. We also make pro project pink products, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, specifically we, um, we, uh, you know, have that money and proceeds go to, go to Dana Farber. I'll let the cat out of the bag here. We're actually making a uh, Duncan Finnegan shoe this year with, uh, oh, the uh, wow. initials. So, um, you know, we're going to do something special around that as well. And yeah, she, like I said, she, she was an incredible presence and leader within our company. And, um, you know, with that picture I mentioned hanging up on the wall, she's always looking at me. So I always feel like, all right, I got to get going on this. But, uh, but oh, yeah, nice. so, I mean, everyone, we obviously, you know, keep her in our, in our thoughts constantly. And, um, you know, she's a critical, she's a critical success factor for this, for this brand, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. You are, you are doing her proud. Um, thank you very thank much, you. Steve. Thanks for joining us. Uh, okay, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. So Katie, does talking to these women kind of take you back there three years ago? You know, it does. It does. Um, I told myself I wouldn't, you know, get emotional. And it's funny, that question just made me because, you know, when you're in it, you wonder if there will ever be a day that you don't think about breast cancer. And for two years, three years, I haven't. And it hasn't been until, or I, I thought about it every single day. And really within the past couple of months, there's been days when I don't think about it. And it's really an amazing thing because you realize that you're okay. You know, like, let, it's going to be okay. Life is going to go on. You know, you're grateful for everything that you've been given. So talking to these women again, it just brings you back immediately to what they're going through and you know, what's ahead of them. Um, and it's, it's a hard journey and it's, it is, it's so much like a marathon. I think we'll, we'll I'll let you know next week. You'll, you'll, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, but it's also very inspiring. I mean, hearing these women and talking about how they've been running through it and staying on track with their fitness and their health and their meditation. It's, I think that this will be a really beneficial um, podcast for anyone who has gone through breast cancer or who, you know, is going through it right now or knows someone because they'll know how to support each other and mm -hmm. just how to, you know, have the positive attitude that it's going to be, it's going to be okay on the other side. It really will be. It really will be. It really will be. Well, Katie, gold star to you. You have done an awesome job. Yay. So Maybe I'll get you. asked back. Maybe. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I can't believe she got to be a co-host before I <laughs> Five years just sitting here. Your time's coming. The, Your time's coming. The injustice of it all, Alex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I hope maybe that um, listening to all that has inspired you now to um, 
take part in our mother load of miles, um, our second annual. As I said, it's a celebration of women running around the country. You can do it solo with your dog, join a running group, organize a running group. Um, Dimity and I are going to be with Heidi, one of our guests, um, out in uh, St. Paul. I'm pretty sure it starts in St. Paul at Cafe Bene. Um, we're meeting there to do a run. So wherever it is, um, you just pin on a mother load bib and uh, move forward. Um, look, there'll be a link in the show notes. You can also um, search for it on anothermotherrunner.com. And then um, we also hope that you'll make a donation to the Donna Foundation, a nonprofit that focuses on helping with the financial critical needs of families living with breast cancer and donations of any size are welcome. And and if the Donna Foundation sounds familiar to you, it might be because you know of um, the marathon that they organize. Um, and uh, if you want more information about them, you can go to the DonnaFoundation.org. All right. And you also heard us mention retreats with a lot of those women and our Portland, Oregon here, Portland, Oregon retreat open on Monday. It's already about a third sold out. We are very excited for it. It is the last weekend in October of next year, 2020. We're staying at a beautiful uh, renovated historic hotel in the heart of downtown, a stone's throw from Voodoo Donuts, if that's what you're into. Uh, Ellison, my occasional co-host, will be leading a group to go to Powell's City of Books, the world-famous bookstore. Molly Williams, my um, TMI oversharing best running friend, um, will be there the entire weekend. I know some people are um, pretty much coming to the retreat just to spend time with Molly. Um, Alex Ward will be there for the podcast party on the opening night of it at our welcome reception. Augie's going to show up, my Frenchie who wants out of the uh, recording studio right now. My husband Jack will be there. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring a kid. And, um, is John going to dance for us? Uh, <laughs> he will not. He does not dance on command. Maybe by then he will. He does not now. So it's going to be fabulous. So go to anothermotherrunner.com, click on retreats on the top navigation for more details. Or if you are ready to plunk down some plastic, you can go to motherrunnerstore.com and you'll see um, a badge on the homepage for our Portland 2020 retreat. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.